The following podcast contains mature language and adult discussion. This week on Kayfabe, stories you're not supposed to hear. Now he is trying to revise his legacy by being the greatest interviewer of all time, which I, I also disagree with highly. And that's what he wants his legacy to be, even though we all still think it's, you know, painting some girl's tits with the fucking, you know, four-leaf clover or masturbating on the Sibian. Back, y'all. Back, y'all, with the podcast. How many how many friggin' podcasts are on your gimmick? I don't know anyone that has less than, like, 50 podcasts. And you're not listening to them all. Chances are the last time... Chances are you probably have, like, two or three, right, that you, that you check in with regularly. Hopefully this is one of them. But it's probably not. You probably shop. You guest shop. Oh, Sean's got so-and-so on this week. So I'll listen. But I don't know. I th- I, I think that I guess we all do that to, to, to everything. I don't know. You know what? I have, I have to take that back. Like when The Tonight Show was on, when it was Johnny Carson's Tonight Show, now it's it's... It's very different now, but when it was Johnny Carson, and no one called it the Tonight Show, by the way, it was it was Johnny Carson. Did you watch Johnny Carson last night? You know, then then once Leno came in, and it, it all just became the Tonight Show. But it was Johnny Carson, and you watch Johnny Carson for all the all the stuff that that Johnny brought with Ed and and Doc and the the recurring. Uh, skits that they would do the different characters that johnny would do so you watch johnny carson it, it wasn't like oh oh it's zsa, zsa gabor tonight so it's a must watch though some some of the some of the moments live on thanks to like youtube you can catch like when the rat pack would be on or or just rickles forget about it but anyway my point is like do, do you shop episodes are you only listening to me when someone you are desperately interested in is my guest. You should know by now that I'm going to make whoever is the guest interesting. That's what I do. That's my superpower, according to Raven. You hear that episode? So it shouldn't it shouldn't matter. This is what I'm telling you. You should check in every week. But God, I know it's hard. Everyone's got a goddamn podcast. Everyone's got a podcast. Good lord. And you know what? It's it's a problem. It's it's endemic of a larger problem in that there, the gatekeepers have been eliminated, and that's a problem. It's a problem. We think it's uh, you know it's it's this liberation in media, but it, it it's it. I saw it start with indie film when I was in film school. People's stories became accessible to everybody because the equipment was cheaper and you can cut on video. You, you know, you either cut on video or you cut digital. And so everyone started doing this now. The gatekeepers were removed because of the, ex, the, the, uh, the expense, really, is what it was. But then also there was nowhere to exhibit it. So the studios were the gatekeepers. 
And, you know, it's not entirely fair that only the elite would get through, you know, circa the 50s, 60s, or 70s. You started to see little indie stuff, like Cassavetes in the 70s and stuff. But uh, those were, you you had still had to shoot on film and get that shit processed and cut somewhere. So that wasn't, that wasn't a cheap proposition either. Even though guys were producing stuff outside of the studio system, considered rebels by today's standards, but the, you know, it, it still, it still was not cheap to do. So there were still gatekeepers now. I mean, it's been totally democratized. Anyone can buy a fucking USB mic Download your free audacity, and you're uploading a podcast. There's so much noise we have to cut through. There's a reason the gatekeepers were there. I, I really think cosmically, there's a reason the gatekeepers were there. Listen, you get yourself a good setup, get a few followers, get some patrons. I got some patrons. You want to know my patrons? I'll tell you some of the patrons this week. I want to be a patron, by the way, go to patreon.com slash podcast and join the likes of Luke Lay, Coulter Mann, Matthew Chamora, Matt Cardone, Patrick Corbett, Ralph Ramirez, Salvatore Martone, Terry Lynn, Wes Lilliman, Big Dave, Dan Young, Harrison Lee. Those are some people who just came on board recently. You become a patron of a show. And you know what? Keep it on the air, on the air, on your, on the podcast world. It's not even, it's just, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm so torn. I, I, we need the gatekeepers back a little bit. There, there should be maybe not a God of media, but there, there should be a small fat bridge troll who, you know, is not going to let you cross unless you pass muster. And it, and it doesn't have to be we don't have to go to the exclusive class of just you know radio either satellite or or uh, broadcast radio, terrestrial radio. We, we could have some we can have podcasts. But they've got to be screened by the bridge troll whose name is probably like Larry or something. And he'll let you across. He's going to listen to this thing. And he's going to let you across if if you should go. So many problems with the podcast out there. I was listening to one today, a new uh, a new one to me. It was like 13 episodes in or something like that. And oh, there was the girl on it was she was going to read a list like, you know, here are the five things that whatever it was it was a uh, a writing related one so she i, I don't even remember what the topic she read the five things and she preambled she was no these are the five things now i put these five things together uh three i found as a uh from a magazine article and two i just kind of came up with so but um so i'm going to read the five things read the fucking list i have shit to do this is the thing 90% of the podcasts i listen to the problem with the hosts is they don't realize i have shit to do only unless you are far more, but you've got to be giving me crucial content every second or I'm hitting that 15 second jump, motherfucker. 
God damn. I, I God damn. I got I I've got shit to do. I got places to be. A lot of times I'm in the car. I got one foot out the door ready to go where I have to go and I'm just listening to get to whatever goddamn point you promised me. Whatever the promise of your episode was. I'm waiting to hear it. Holy shit. Then the other thing is, if there are more than two people hosting your show, your show's a fucking mess. It sounds like you all sound the same, so I don't know who's talking. In the beginning, it's like, it's Mark, it's Bob, it's John. Yeah, you, we only need Mark. Maybe Bob. So it sounds like two people talking in my head, but you sound exactly the same, Mark and Bob and John. I guess one's a little more clever than the other, but I, I don't know. There's no distinct that if it's a man and a woman, perfect, perfect. I know who's talking to me, but the three of them, and and then it's always they're they're friends, so there's all these inside jokes and they're cackling. It's fucking madness. It's impossible to listen to. Two people at most. Larry the bridge troll is kicking your ass off if there's more than two people talking. If you're talking about shit to hear yourself talk because you like the way your voice sounds in the headphones and you're not giving content, kind of like I'm doing now, off, out, outsin, gone. And then YouTube just ruined it all. So every, now you, everything's up there. I'm not saying we have to go back to an elitist time where there was no shot. For anybody but the 1% of 1% to be movie stars, comedians, or musicians. I'm kind of glad we've got GarageBand on the computers. And we've got the ability to upload into Apple Podcasts. And, yeah, you can get a video camera, shoot some shit, and cut it on your uh, Final Cut Pro. And get it seen somewhere, upload it, and share the the link. But it's got to be limited. The reason... There were gatekeepers. is because we needed them. And maybe, just maybe, the reason we need a gatekeeper to look at your content is because you shouldn't be allowed to make it. All right, listen, do you read wrestling books? There's a ton of them out there, right? You got memoirs, you got wrestlers' memoirs. The business of kayfabe, turning wrestlers' secrets into a million dollars, written by yours truly. Okay, now this chronicles the business lessons learned from running kayfabe commentaries for 12 years. My first book, Kayfabe, uh, Stories You're Not Supposed to Hear, from a pro wrestling production company owner. Number one bestseller in the wrestling category for almost 19 months, okay, on Amazon. This follow-up, The Business of Kayfabe, what are the business lessons inside these stories? What is there to learn from all of this time running the company? The personalities in pro wrestling have always been some of the most unique and entertaining in the world. And for more than 10 years, Kayfabe Commentaries has been the leading production company in the genre. Now you'll go inside the company. You'll see how it's done. Me, the on-camera ringmaster, co-owner of the company, I'm going to take you inside. I'm going to take you through all the components of building the business that brought the real-life personalities behind wrestling's outrageous uh, angles uh, to the masses. From our hits to our cancellations, there were lessons to be learned in all of it. Listen, tons of great stories. It's available in paperback, on Kindle, and 
on audiobook. Go check out Audible or grab it on iTunes, however you listen to your audiobooks. The Business of Kayfabe. Those of you that are not fans of the Howard Stern show or didn't grow up in the Howard era where he owned everything, um, you can leave. All right. So now everybody else that's left will know my guest this week as the head bitch at Radio Gunk. And if and if anyone doesn't know Radio Gunk, let's do that. What, what is Radio Gunk? Okay, number one, I prefer Benevolent Dictator because that's what I'm known as. Number two, it's RadioGunk.com, which is uh, it started as a podcast at another forum because I was a little bit bored at work. And it uh, it turned into its own little, I wouldn't say juggernaut because it's, you know, I don't monetize it, so I don't give a shit. It's just a thing we do for fun. So it's uh, Radio Gunk, and it's a podcast available everywhere, and it's really focused on disenfranchised uh, fans of Howard Stern. Or ex-fans of Howard Stern. Was case. it always that, though? Was it always yes. negative? Yes. Always. Yes. Never positive. You know why? Because I think when we, we finally put it together, um, we were all at that point. We were at that tipping point of the show has jumped the shark and we're done with it. Are and you going to look at you the entire time we're talking? No, I, I'm, t- I'm getting questions off of Twitter for you. Oh, my God. The two uh, of us are like a fucking married couple. This is unbelievable. <laughs> I've said five words to you in our entire lives, and already we're like two old, two old Jews. Now, listen, before I ever saw you, I knew the nose wasn't going to be small. I just want to say that. Um. You know, I did put out there that you were going to be on, and I wanted to read one comment that came in right away from a stern fan no oh, fucking thing where is it gonna be here um you know, the fact go ahead, that, go ahead. Uh, uh, vamp vamp kid oh no i'm not gonna no i'm not gonna vamp I, the fact that i'm actually even looking at you is you know is uh, your your insolence is so high like you you okay the first thing you said to me when i asked you whether or not we were skyping you were like, well, I'll fucking add you when I goddamn well please. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? You know, so, yeah, I take a chance sometimes uh, that people are going to get me. And, that and, snarky sarcasm would work? And, you know, sometimes you end up humping your hand the rest of the night, and then other times it used to work out. Um, either way, uh, the result is the same. Fucked. Um, so let so that's why you're here because you are the uh, the goddess of radio gunk and and it started as a board you said, uh, did you have um your show is is very uh, dependent on information, so you have moles, yes, you have people embedded in the show, yeah. yes. Did you have people feeding you information on the board back in the day? What when did you start it again? What did you say? I don't pay attention. Okay. You're not paying attention. You know, just like all men. Okay, so the way it basically worked was I had joined another forum, and it was a Howard Stern-related forum. Just good, bad, and different. Not not negative, not not anything like that. And then as he started to progress in serious and become this other man that we kind of didn't recognize anymore, mm. I, I, was, uh, I was a little bit bored at work, and I was like, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to do like a totally shit on Howard kind of podcast. And I didn't care. I still don't. Um and I just talked shit. And 
it's one of those, if you build it, they will come. And I started becoming friends with a lot of the ex-staffers and realized that um, I knew some people that, that still work there that were friends of mine from back in college. And, uh, and it just kind of came together. So, yeah, we are reliant upon information, but not necessarily. Who was the first uh, crew member, Stern crew member, that uh, outed themselves as being uh, either a contributor to the board or a listener of the show? Okay, so board as my own um, my own self-sufficient board started after the podcast. I was on another board that was Stern-related. Uh, but it would have to be Steve Grillo, Gorilla, yeah. like it. And uh, simply because he... I reached out to him. He called me back and we became very fast friends. He lives right around the corner from me. So I see him all the time. So through him, because Steve is six degrees of separation with everybody from the Stern show, I met everybody else. There's probably not a single human being that's off the show that I have not mm-hmm. met and I'm friendly with. I found the quote, by the way, I can give it to you. Salvatore Martone said, I gave a list of the people that were going to be on this week, and he said, Sean, you were able to make Vince Russo likable. If you can do the same with Monique, then you're truly a god. She has a punchable voice. I'd rather hear gunshots coming out of my mother's room than her boomer cackle. That aside, I look forward to the episode. Okay. As a public figure. <laughs> okay. As an First elected I'll... official. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how do you de- how do you de- how do you deal with it? I my daughter always enjoys bringing me quotes about my hair loss and my weight gain when it happens. How do you deal with? I mean, you're a very reluctant celebrity. You just want to talk the Stern Show, but you know people are douchebags just generally. So do yeah. you have a tough time? Uh, no, I I started out absolutely having a tough time. Absolutely. Um, as soon as I started doing the podcast, trolls came after me. They attacked my Facebook, attacked my LinkedIn, um, started calling my boss to tell him what I was doing. I mean, really, just really, people are dicks. They just are. And I did not have a thick skin. I had a very, very thin skin. I I still don't put myself out there. You're one of the few people I ever actually would be visual with on a podcast or anything like that, because I knew we were just recording ourselves. And, you know, and then you were kind of an okay looking guy. So it was easy to look at. That counts. Okay. Yeah, of course. So I um, so I just decided, yeah, I am very reluctant. And and it's simply because I'm I'm not a monetized podcast. I do it for fun. You know, I don't need to be quite that out there. And why wouldn't you? Why won't you monetize? What, what's the. Oh, not uh, because I don't want to be on a schedule. I just you know, when we feel like doing a show, we do a show. There's nothing there's nothing set in stone. I've been offered countless times to do a show countless times. And I've always refused because I don't want to be on a schedule. I just don't want to have to be committed to doing a show or two shows a week or anything, you know, limiting it. You know, most people, once they start to monetize, they limit their shows to 60 to 75 minutes. Mm -hmm. If I want to four hours, I'll bullshit for fucking four hours. You you might not be a Jew then. I I had that all along. (laughs) All right. Um, do you have confirmation that you're on Howard Stern's radar? Him and that gay boy Ralph blocked me the exact same day on Twitter, on Instagram, everywhere. I guess the edict came down that I was, you know, persona non grata. I, I don't even know what I was doing wrong, to be honest with you. You know, I, I lightly tease them on online. Uh, Sirius constantly comes mm-hmm. after me for copyright infringement. I just, you know, for they what? just. 
anything, anything, anything I do, anything I post on YouTube, anything, anything. They, they try, they try. I come back with them with a little bit of legalese and hopefully it works itself out. But Oh, you mean clips from the show? If you, if you're posting clips from the show, from the show clips from anything really that, and you know, I, I, I get that a lot of that is a uh, algorithm, but there have been times where they will specifically come after me and, and give me strikes. What about Baba Booey? What about him? Do you have any confirmation that he listens? Um, uh, I will tell you because when people sign up for my website, you know, they put their IP addresses and that's how we check people to make sure they're not coming from fucking Pakistan. And, um, there are more than four or five people who have signed up from the Sirius XM corporate IP address. So yeah, we know that people listen. I don't know who, um, Let's let's hear the uh, the Monique and Howard love story. How does it begin? Yeah, everyone starts as a fan. I mean, the show's in the shitter now, but um, how does the love story begin? When does he first come into your life? Well, I want to I want to reverse this for a second. Why did you actually have me on? Like, what made you what made you have me here? Like, what 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 was the impetus for this? Well, I'm questioning that now, but um, no, I. <laughs> I like the show. I just, I found it, I might have found it through John, through Stuttering John. And um, I, I just like what you do. I, I like the, I like the balls. I guess I look for people that, that um, are unapologetic and passionate. And um, I, th- I thought you fit the bill. If I'm wrong, you can leave. You know what? I knew from your snarky slightly asinine attitude towards me on email and also on Skype that I would like you immediately, just so you know. I know. Um, But so how does this, when did you first feast your eyes or ears on Howard and was it love at first sound? Yes, absolutely. So uh, born and raised New Yorker. Um, I did not listen to him back in the very, very early days because AM radio, let's be honest, that's like black and white TV. I never actually knew from it. And uh, once he came to K-Rock, uh, 92.3, I would listen to it like most people would, you know, on my way to work. And, uh, once I got off the train and on my way walking to the office and then that was it for the day. Um, I was never quite that diehard. I never was able to listen to a solid four hours ever, ever, ever. Uh, when Jackie left, I thought that the world had ended and I thought that (laughs) it did. It kind of did. And that it would never be the same again. But then all of a sudden here comes Artie. Um, great storyteller and just amazingly funny laugh and just, you know, didn't give a shit about picking on anybody possible. And, and I love that as well. And I think, and I will always contend that uh, a good portion of people who uh, left with Howard to go to Sirius uh, left because of Artie and how much we loved him. And, you know, he became the everyman because Howard all of a sudden was this multi, multi-millionaire. He was living a different, very rarefied lifestyle, and Artie was the guy. You know, didn't it just, I think that uh, Howard's, now I did listen since 1984. I think I have you by a few years here. So it was like 84. I was basically raised by Howard. So I would like listen to him before school. If something good was going on, like if Gilbert was on, I'd I'd like hit the tape. You get 45 minutes out of a side of a tape. So I could get like the next 45 minutes after I left. And that was a big deal to come home and listen to the 45 minutes. I then in high school, I'd bring the Walkman so I could listen in school. So, I mean, I was, I was 
kind of a maniacal Howard Stern fan. And I always tell people, I, you got to understand, I was raised by him. So that, that, that should account for a little bit of what's going on. So he was Wait, not just locally? every man. Were you raised locally? The Tri-State Jer- area? Jersey. Yeah, Jersey, if that counts. Okay, that kind of doesn't yeah. count. All right, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I'm next to Artie. I'm next to Hoboken. Whatever. Um, <laughs> what a twat. <laughs> Let me tell you. Um, so what happened, he wasn't just, I mean, Howard was every man at one time, but he was more than that. He was the underdog. He was the guy that hated his fucking boss. He wasn't the guy that had a hard job. He hated his boss. He fought with his boss. He said the things that we wish we could have said to our boss. He went home, he went in the basement, he hammered off instead of seeing his family. I mean, he was the 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 frustrated cab driver construction worker cop whoever and that's why they they fell in love with him we rooted for him to get on shows like when he when he was on the tonight show for the first time like so it's like we were on the tonight show for the first time and yeah, okay. he absolutely if you're writing the story he absolutely became everything he despised and mocked he sounds like larry king from 1985 now on the air oh yeah yeah, you're good with the rock and roll you like the rock it's like i'm listening to someone he was parodying i will contend and i will and because we do this show you know we just go so we dig so deep into those fucking weeds i will contend and we have the fight on on this on our podcast all the time but i i i think that most of that was bullshit i think most of the uh, this is all a manufactured human being. I believe the FCC thing was absolute bullshit. It was, it was, it was manufactured. They always had a budget for um, FCC fines that were going to be coming down the pike. Uh, all of this was the um, bad publicity is still good publicity aspect of him. If you recall, when he first started out, he used to say that he was half Italian. He just didn't want to be that Jewish dirty guy who was on uh, the air you know, telling us about his nerdy Jewish guy life. And, and, and he was always that guy. And don't forget that even when you started listening to him, um, he was making what would be akin to at least two, $3 million a year. So he was never every man ever. He, he all of it manufactured to me, all of it, the two books. I mean, I think that everything is just, um, just this nebbishy little boy from Long Island's revisionist history of who he wanted to be in order for us to like him. Well, did you see him before he grew the hair with the mustache and the Coke bottle glasses? Yeah, 100%. What does that have to do with who he was as a person? He was backward. Um, He still is backward. He's still the most insecure, um, successful half a billionaire that there is in the world. He still is a star fucker. He's always wanted to be this guy. Always. Now he has his dream. He 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 now has his dream come true. And now he is trying to revise his legacy by being the greatest interviewer of all time, which I, I also disagree with highly. Um, and that's what he wants his legacy to be, even though we all still think it's, you know, painting some girl's tits with the fucking, you know, four leaf clover or masturbating on the Sibian. See, I, I, see, that stuff I never liked. I don't mind that that's gone. The, the the sexual stuff. But what I miss is just that that like that fuck you to Jennifer Aniston or whoever the the whore du jour is that's Anyone. you know, that's that he envied, but it, it came out in that vitriol, which was again that every man. Now you mentioned the Jackie Artie thing, and I guess we have to touch on that, right? Um 
you know, nothing wrong with Artie, but the show itself with Jackie, the color of the show was different. And even when Artie came, it was different because Artie was never a target. Jackie was a wonderful target and, uh, and, and, and a broken person like like the rest of the, the Island of Misfit Toys there. Artie was always a little too cool for that, I thought. He was an odd fit, my opinion. Artie was, Artie was always a drug addict. So And Artie was a known drug addict on air and off air. So Artie was a little bit untouchable because there was a fragile personality that you had to contend with that may or may not go off the deep end as he wound up doing. Look know? at how serious we are right now. Look at you. Uh um, Listen why? to us. Why? This fuck. is like a good depth conversation about, you know, I I usually get to talk about, wait, I wanted to get back to something you said before the Jackie Artie thing. Yeah. Because I have ADD, I, I kind of remember it and then it falls out of my brain for a hot second. Yeah, I lost it again. I don't even know what we were talking about. Oh, I know. So you didn't miss the Sibian titty girls, all that shit. But no. a lot of people came to know him. As you know, if you ask many, many of, of my forum members how they came upon Howard, it was because of the e-show and because they liked seeing these naked girls or sort of naked girls on air. And that's how they got to know him because he wasn't in every market. I will say now, though, because, yes, he doesn't have that on anymore because, you know, the litigation must be like through the fucking roof for any girl who comes in there for sexual harassment and Me Tooism. Right. I think that now, though. I mean, we're doing a, a live podcast tomorrow night about, you know, is he is he kind of gay? Like everything's about cock and guys and showing their assholes. And uh, Benji, just like three weeks ago, was jerking off a couple of people, uh, uh, Al and Richard. I mean, how is that something that the trucker going from New York to California wants to fucking hear about? Dick is funny. Uh, I'm serious. I'm not. I'm not. Stop. Dick is not fucking funny. It absolutely is. People ask me that too. A lot, a lot of our shows and in, in the company I have, our production company, a lot of the stuff, the the joking with the wrestlers, it gets a little dick centric. Dicks are funny. I'm sorry. It's I don't know if it's a visual. I don't know the fact that something so small is it has such importance in the world. I don't. We can we can do the whole philosophical thing another time. Dick is funny. That should just be the title of a book. Dick is funny. Dick is funny in bits and pieces, but when you have George Takai in and all you're doing is having like the gay men's choir showing their fucking little pink anuses to George, who's a little bit of a fucking predator himself, it's actually a little disturbing. We get a little nauseated from it. State of the show now. Is it the worst it's ever been? Yes, 100%. Absolutely the worst it's ever been. Actually, the visit to Hollywood last week actually put the cherry on the shit cake topping. It's just, it's just like nothing we have ever heard before. We went from having 20, 30, 40 pages in a listening thread to 12, 13, 14, which is unheard of for us. Yeah, everybody loves to come in there and like rip him a new asshole, but now not so much. Nobody mm. cares. And it's Bull. never, it, it can never go back. I mean, it's done, right? We have asked many, many people, you know, I've asked Jackie countless times. I've seen Jackie out and I've asked him countless times, you know, would you fit in in today's show? Would you have a place in the the uh, atmosphere that there is there now? And the answer is no. And don't forget, Howard does a show three days a week. So it's 112 days a year. 
four hours a day. He's got a thing with 12. So he's got this weird fucking numerology thing, right? His birthday is Your January birthday, 12th. Yeah. He does 112 shows a year for 12 hours a week. And um, and there was a point to this. <laughs> point is you should see a doctor. Um <laughs> The, the point is he now phones it in and and because he has so little shows he has over 70 people that work full-time for him 70 70 yeah. Yeah. to do 12 hours a week it's insanity okay uh, uh question. i have a question yeah. can you tell me what kayfabe is kayfabe what is it kayfabe, kayfabe is a is a is a wrestling terminology it's from the world of wrestling and it just means something that's secret something that wasn't supposed to be known so I guess the origin goes back to the like the carnival days, the carnies. When someone was in the room that they should stop talking around, they would say kayfabe. It's a word that didn't mean anything, but it meant be quiet. There's a there's a third party here, like a little sotto voce kind of thing. Uh, sotto voce, yeah, shut up completely. So not sotto voce, yeah, just kayfabe. They would so say. because when I was looking up the meaning of the word, yeah. hold on as I go third computer. Um, okay, so it's also called a work. It's a portrayal of a staged event within the industry as real or true, specifically the portrayal of a competition, rivalries, and relationships between participants as being genuine and not a staged or predetermined nature of any kind. Don't you feel that Howard show has become like a completely and utterly staged event? Like that it's just, all of it is just so manufactured now? It's rote. Everything is rote. Um, it's, uh, Howard isn't, is not the, the, the ringmaster anymore. It's, it's everybody else. He just kind of sits there and, and adds commentary at this point. Nothing, nothing. Howard is not the genesis of anything anymore. It's, you know, Sal and Richard and their dick games and all that stuff. And, and all these ancillary people, I swear to God, I stopped listening for like four months or whatever. And when I put it back on, there's a Mamet, there's a the guy from Bubba, the, there's all these right. fucking people. I, I was it was like a different show. Yeah. So it is. It is a different show. But the, he needs that now. So this is what happens when you get to be ARP age. You you need the help. Old man, you know, he's like the old man from fucking Scooby Doo. I don't know. George Carlin could have done that show the same way until he died. Anybody with balls. Howard lacks some cojones. Let's yeah. write something right now. Me and you're gonna write write a, a a hallmark movie of the week. You ready? Okay. It's called the Marcy Turk story. <laughs> okay. Take me take me through. And anyone who's listening, who's just a, a cursory Stern fan, does not know who Marcy Turk is. So why don't you start us off here? Who is Marcy Turk? Okay, so a to little be? biography today thing. So Marcy Turk is his, um, let's go with, she's not financial. So maybe she's the CEO of the Howard Stern Productions company. Not necessarily serious, but Howard Stern Productions. So I think she is hired by him. So she came in sort of like, you know, when you work for a corporation and they bring in, uh, the guys who are just going to review everything that you do and you know, you know, some heads are going to roll. Um, I feel like he familiarity bred a lot of contempt amongst his crew. I don't know if you saw the video, the famous now, we call it the Pelican yes. Brief. Okay, so uh, so that was released by some unknown hater of Howard. And um, 
and it shows where he started to, you know, things have to fucking change around here. I don't want you wearing shorts anymore and t-shirts with sneakers to work. You know, I want you to wear blazers. Everybody should be greeted a different way. This all came from Marcy. She definitely was the impetus for the changing of the show. So, yeah. So I'm sorry. Go ahead. But Howard, Howard's one of the most guarded, difficult to get to trust people in the world he's got a very small cadre of people who he lets in even people on the show were not invited to his house until they you know passed muster whatever it is the the blood oath or whatever the fuck but how does she get this he's very influenced by people that he thinks can make a difference in his life okay so what we what we love to say about howard is that you know, Howard can't tie his shoes without hiring an expert to show him how to tr- tie it properly. Like he will always hire somebody to do something for him that he cannot do for himself. So I guess somebody passed him to the GTD getting things done book, which, by the way, I think is on the slightly cultish side. You know, Robin is part of the landmark forum, which is also slightly cultish. He's he does TM uh, transcendental meditation, which is slightly cultish. So he he likes being a part of something that he can grab a hold of and and believe in. So he's not quite that independent of a man. So Marcy Turk worked for um, David Allen or whatever his name is, who wrote the book Getting Things Done. Obviously, he read the book, and just like he is now with Peloton, where he needed to figure out how to ride a fucking bike, he called the owner of Peloton to ask him how to ride the fucking bike. He probably called David Allen and said, you know, I I, I like this. I like the idea of being able to get rid of the 2,000 emails I have sitting in in my inbox. You know, what do I do about it? And he said, let me give you Marcy. So work with her for a little bit. She went to his house in the Hamptons. They had a whole long discussion about what he should do and what they should do differently. Uh, Marcy did some workshops with the guys, took them to do improv, did all sorts of stupid shit with them. And, you know, the famous thing at the end of that video, which is not shown, unfortunately, I wish we had the second part of it, is where Gary looked at Howard and said, is Marcy my, my boss as well now, boss? And he said, yes, you know, she's your boss now, too. So he got kicked out of his office. Marcy took over his office. Marcy then started having an affair with one of the workers on the Stern show who wound up getting a raise that year. And one of the other members of the show went to HR and said, what the fuck is he doing getting a raise? And I didn't. And I guess it's because he's fucking Marcy. And then they broke up. And then she started dating this other guy, Ben Bardo. She wound up marrying him, getting pregnant, having a baby, going out on maternity leave. And now she's back. Uh. Best guest. Let's go. Best guest on the show. I was thinking about this. I, I knew you were going to ask me this question. And no, you asked me for the three best guests. Okay. okay. So I'm going to pray because that's what you asked me. So my my number one is without question, Gilbert Gottfried. I think that he um, has, you know, nowadays when a guest comes in more than twice in six months, we're all like, oh, fuck. Why do we need to see Alec Baldwin again? Or why do we need to see the? But Gilbert brought it every goddamn time. Gilbert brought the funny every fucking time. And so I think that he is a fantastic guest. Is uh, he persona non grata right now? Yes, 100 percent. He licked a he licked a cupcake. Um, he got in a shit ton of trouble for doing that, even though he was goaded into it by the TV staff. And um, and became the guy he didn't want anymore. And, you know, I I think Howard also, you know, Howard also then remember, you know, he took out all those shows that were on 101. He uh, he wanted all the marbles, but he also wanted to be the brand. So it was all about Howard. Howard all the time. One hundred percent Howard, even the wrap up show, which used to be amazing when they had everybody from the back office come in, became let's just talk about what happened with Howard today. 
but yet they don't play clips from the fucking show so that you can actually go along, follow the bouncing ball. Um, and it's just become all Howard all the time, 24-7, Howard, Howard, Howard. And so they they just kind of rebranded him and repositioned it. So now that's the only thing that matters. So Gilbert just didn't fit into that mold anymore. Um, so number two for me is, it's so funny. Nobody has ever asked me this question. And I love it, just so you know, because I really had to put some thought into it. Mm -hmm. So my second favorite guest, and you know, I have a very, very um, adverse reaction to all fucking Wack Packers. I hate them all. I don't listen when they're on. I shut it off. The only one I love and I adore him to death is uh, Beetlejuice. And I love Beetlejuice as a guest. I love his incredible way of speaking, which makes no fucking sense whatsoever. He is, I've seen him in person. He's the most bizarre looking human being you have ever seen in your life. Even more Kate, troubling in person. Absolutely. Casey discovered him, you know, because they were looking for midgets for some specific thing. And um, he was a friend. He had a friend who knew Beetlejuice. And he's like, I got the perfect fucking guy for you. And he's gold. Um, so I love him. As a segue, I also love Sour Shoes. Um, also a troubled human being, but incredibly funny. And if they would just let him go, I think he would be amazing. And then my third guest is Pat Cooper. I love fucking Pat Cooper. I love comedians. I love I love the no holds barred bullshit that you could just get out of somebody like Pat. He was angry and fucking yes. funny and everything about him was just so real. Everything. It was those fringe celebrities before Howard could have Jennifer Aniston and he had a Marilyn Michaels and a and a Pat Cooper and um and and there was a a give no fucks attitude because they they had already been through the system. They knew where they were going to be and they weren't afraid to speak their mind like Howard was I think at that time but um, most annoying thing about Robin. Everything. Um, Robin is a haughty, narcissistic fucking, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. She's, is she, when you, when you actually break it down, she's one of the highest paid, if you want to call her this news women in the world. She's, more she's than one of the that, highest though, right? paid news people. Um, you know, I, I think she started out as a foil for Howard to be able to say anything he wanted about black people and about women. So she was the, she was the save button that was on the side that he could, and she would laugh along with it and she would go along with it. And that was her role. She was the, the wacky black kind of heavy set. I would dare say almost lesbianic, uh, counterpart. And as time has gone on, she now... You know, he does these two-hour interviews. She basically reads the newspaper and goes on the internet to look for her news stories. She gets probably about 70% of them wrong. And and since he's on so infrequently, half of her news is like two weeks old. So mm. I think she's very, very marginalized at this point. And, um, you know, he only gives her about a half hour maximum at the end of the show. So when you kind of think about it, you know, he'll do an hour, hour and a half kind of interview, sometimes two hours. She doesn't even get to talk to them. She doesn't get to really ask questions. She's not really in the room at that point. Uh, Hollywood last week, she wasn't on at all. You know, she didn't even do news at the time. So I feel like he marginalized her a little bit, but I also did post a um, just a little clip today where on Radar Online, they were asking whether or not Robin's cancer is back because Howard happened to mention something about her being on chemo and in present tense and not in past tense. 
And so I don't know. I don't know what's going on with her. A part of me does feel bad for her because I know she probably means well, but I think she's incredibly, incredibly narcissistic. She's a little bit haughty. She loves to make fun of other people without ever looking internal, you know, without ever looking in the mirror. So I don't really like her, although I will tell you that 95% of the people that I know that are outside of that world right now who were formerly stern people love her. So she, I'm probably out on, on a limb there. She's rather beautiful in person. Can I say this? I, I did. I did see. I was up there. Do you want me to tell you the story? Or are you going to make fun of me? I do want to hear the Iron Sheik story. And yes, I want to make fun of you. So go ahead. All right. So <laughs> we did. This is back when the roasts got hot for about a week. Uh, Comedy Central was doing them. And then they started doing them on air on the Stern Show. So we said, you know, we had a wrestling production company. We said, let's do the roast of the Iron Sheik. So we 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 book it. We start. We go to. Um, I called Shuli, and I said, um, "I need you to get me a, a slate of comics." And it's uh, so it was going to be half wrestlers, half comics, and you know, let the fireworks begin. Um, wrestlers have no idea what a roast is and are very offended by everything. When the 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 whole idea of a roast is to act like a fucking wrestler, right? You would think it would have went a lot better than it did. I love it in concept. It's amazing. Yeah. So Shuli puts himself on Beetlejuice, Bob Levy, and Sal. And I okay. said, well, that's great. That's a great slate. Let me put the rest wrestlers and, and we'll have fun. So all of a sudden, there's now a phone call from Bob Levy. Once it's announced and the tickets are on sale and everything. Uh, well, we can't do this. We can't do this. So the agent that I was going through, I'm pressing for an answer. Apparently what happened was Baba Bowie got wind of it. And it, it, it was a very Trumpian way. He, you know, he said, he said, well, Howard didn't say nothing, but I don't think he's going to like it when he hears. So then I lost them all. So I had to get other comics. So I went, I got Don Jameson from that metal show, Jimmy Graham, a few other comics, uh, Mike Morse, who also has written for the Stern show. So we do the deal. Um, we're promoting the DVD. We, uh, Sheik's been on Stern a bunch of times. So we get carte blanche to go up. So Eric, the agent calls me and says, do you want to go up? Now I'm a lifelong fan. But when you're, when you're going up for work, it's very different. I was a film and TV actor for a long time. And so, but once you meet somebody in, in, a, in a work context, there's, there's, there's no, there's no gilded cage. It's like, so it was like no big deal. I was like, yeah, of course I'd like to well, go up there. Kind of down and you just don't have that same, right? Right. Like that fourth. All is gone because yeah. you're all in the same sandbox. All of a sudden, you, you, yeah. you know, you, you're, you're not watching them in the lights. So, so I go up to the show. We get there at you know God, an ungodly hour. We go through security. We get upstairs. There's like an, an outer room where you wait outside. You're talking about serious? Was this at serious? Yeah, at serious. Okay, so you have the fishbowl right in front of you on the left hand side by the receptionist, and then to the right is his compound. Right, where they used to do the where they did. did I don't know. Did they still do the? Is that where they still do the uh, the wrap up show in that in that outer area there by the lobby? No, by they've the actually changed the route. They don't oh, do it there okay. anymore. So you wait in the outside room, and security guard comes and checks you out. Then eventually, Ronnie comes and says, "All right, come on, let's go. We're going in." We go in, we go inside the green room. Now, this is this is the BlackBerry days. I had a BlackBerry. So this time-wise, I guess that's like 2008 or something. Okay. This is before selfies. I should have been taping everything. I should have been taking fucking pictures. I'm up there in my suit being professional, saying I want to be liked by everyone. It, it never even crossed my mind. I'm sitting in the green room, and I'm listening to such a mark that I am. The thing I'm loving most is... While I'm sitting in the green room listening to the show on the radio, I can hear Gary 
commenting on something across to Sal, who yells something to Gary, and JD says something. They're all constantly talking about what's going on on air. I found that fascinating. It's a tiny space, right? Somebody showed us um, pictures of where they all sit. And it's literally like a boiler room for a stock market. Yeah, uh, I don't know if it's like it now, like that now as, as it was in 2008. But, but yeah, everybody's like within the same spitting distance of each other. And yeah. so Shiki's on air to make a short story longer, and uh, he starts he starts yelling about me. He's like, uh, you know, the Mister Sean Olivier, and I, I love that he gave me the Olivier. And he's yeah, yeah. like, let him come in. He explained to you. He explained to you. So within like a second of him saying that. Will is at the door. He goes, drop your phone. You got to come in. And I, it was like those out-of-body moments. I was like, what? He's like, he's yep. like, they just mentioned you. I'm like, yeah, no, I heard it. He's like, well, yeah, well, that means you got to go in. I throw my phone down. He walks me <laughs> out to the door. It's like three steps. In that time, Artie, I guess, has gone to a phone somewhere. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Howard goes, we'll have Olivier come in in a minute. But we have Hulk Hogan on the phone or like whoever. And the minute he said that, I knew. I said, that's it. They're on this. So we stop at the door. Will, Will has me wait. We're standing. We're listening. We're listening. They go on. And he's, Sheiky's doing the fuck you. I fuck your ass to everybody. They got on that. They never got off it. I was standing at the door, Monique, to walk in. But I'm, I'm glad because I don't know what I would have done. Because I know you got to bring it. When you get in there, you have to bring it. A game, absolutely. So I don't, I don't know what I would have done. I probably would have cooked up some shit about the sheik and his and his uh, and his agent having an affair. You know how to speak in you know completely ad hoc. It doesn't matter. You just you just come up with some bullshit. I love that. What are your brushes with greatness with the show? Have you been up there? Have you been to book signings? Have you been to Jackie shows? What are your brushes with greatness from the show? Okay, never really that kind of fan. I I didn't even see private parts until it was out on tape. I. I I've been up there countless times, but not to the Stern compound. I I I think that um, Bennington is one of the best interviewers in in the business, with bar none. And he um, the music he, guy. He does music no, interviews now. No, Rob Bennington. He now he does he does a lot of things. He does a lot of comedians, but he does a lot of other people that I are comedy. Talking about. He's a very distinct voice. Yes, he does. And they used to have the Ron and Fez show. Ah, that's it. That's what I knew him from. What happened okay. to that other guy? Did he die? No, no one happened to Fez. No, I have no idea. Huh. No idea. I used to love that show. It's actually the only other radio show I've ever listened to, ever, 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 with any kind of um, frequency. And so I'll go up there a lot of times when um, Rudd is doing something in the fishbowl. And I see a lot of the guys go back and forth. And sometimes Grillo will come with me, and then he'll see like Richard Christie, and then he'll go run over and chat with him. Uh, the best thing I ever did, which I loved to death, is when Jackie invited me out to his house in the in uh, Long Island. So I went to Jokeland. Did you smoke anything? Well, so we did a podcast from there. He gave me tons of pot. I, I, and so we saw the fucking jetty. <laughs> this is post-Nancy, post right? Post-Nancy. Nancy and he are, are divorced. She, you, know, he, you know, he had like six fucking houses out there or something like that. So Nancy got like two of them. He got three of them. His house is absolutely gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Um, and he was just the greatest, the greatest host. He, he bought us like cold cuts and sandwiches. He made us things. You know, he, he doesn't drink. He, he bought wine just for us. 
uh, we got a tour of the house, the compound where he sits and does anything that he's doing, you know, like the shit that we're doing now, except a gigantic fucking room. He, um, he's got tons of his shit down in the basement. And the greatest thing he has in the basement is all these pieces of crumpled up paper. He still has them crumpled, literally fucking crumpled. He's got a whole bunch of crumpled papers. And what he used to do is he would write a joke to Howard. And as he's talking, he would throw it at him. And he kept and so them. He kept them. He keeps everything. He has every joke he has ever fucking written. And it was phenomenal. And and he has he has one bedroom that's dedicated to um, Grey Gardens, which was this great movie um, by the Maisley brothers about these two crazy-ass fucking women, mother and daughter, lived out in the Hamptons. He has a whole room, like a bedroom, dedicated Why? and decorated. Why? I, I know, know Grey Gardens. I, Why, Jackie? I don't know. I don't know. Um, and then he has this bedroom that, you know, me and Grace, who I used to do the show with at the time, we literally, we took off our shoes and we just started jumping on his bed. And he's like, the fuck are you doing? I'm like, come on. Who else could ever say that they've like jumped on Jackie's fucking bed? He's like, I don't want you jumping on my bed. I want you fucking in my bed. And we just started dying laughing and just had the best time. We spent hours and hours and hours with him. And he is a wonderful human being. I love him to fucking death. Um, that's good to hear. How about how about John? John's pretty cool too, right? John Melendez. Yeah. Uh, yeah, John and I are really, really good friends. We actually just did a podcast yesterday. It's actually John's podcast. And uh, Richie Wilson, who is part of the um, Howard TV, was on as well with a couple of little snippets of gossip. So that was a lot of fun. Um, I love John. I love Grillo. Mm -hmm. uh, Artie I've spoken to countless times. And now that he's out of jail... Um, I'm hoping to have him on probably in the next two weeks or so. We've been in contact. And, um, but weirdly, I've only met Artie once. Bob Levy is a really good friend. I love him to death. And, uh, who else? Who else is there? I don't even know who. Oh, Casey. I fucking love Casey. He's I love around Casey. Still? Oh, my God. Casey is around. Actually, he's on a couple of radio stations. So he's, he's, but not in New York. Oh. Didn't he move to like Minnesota or something? He's in Long Island. Oh. He is a beautiful human being. You know, he almost died a couple of times because he drank himself almost to death, literally. And um, and now he's just a wonderful human being. And he actually gave me my first chance to be on live radio, which I was so excited about. So I got to get on, go on his show, which was like a hour show that he has pretty much every day um, out in Long Island. And um, it was my first experience being on real radio, and I loved it. I love everything about KC. It's a beautiful human being so yes yeah, so i've been to his home i've been to his compound i've been to jackie's home obviously grillo's home um yeah and those are the people that i kind of really consort with tim sabian is a really great friend of mine i see him all boy did he get fucked can we just talk about this for a second yeah i mean here's a guy a seasoned professional came over to sirius to manage the to be the gm yes and if i'm not correct me if i'm wrong Marcy Turk is brought in and he's told to take orders from her. Is that yes, true? And he's like, and he's like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Good for him. And then he wound up going over to um, run the Opian Anthony, I guess was still there show. And he stayed there for a while. And then he had been for the longest time at Westwood one, but now he's doing his own thing. But, but Tim is the ultimate, ultimate salesman, ultimate. Mm. And, you know, he's working on something now that I think is going to be fucking phenomenal. Um, so, yeah, he and I are really, really great friends. You know, we, we talk all the time. Yeah. I mean, I talk with all of them all the time.
They're like my buddies now. Tim yeah. put on all the weight again, I hope. I hope. Yeah, I'm not. Because yeah, people. Anorexic? No, when you, when he lost that weight, he wanted to like the fucking liquid diet with Robin or whatever. He started not to look like himself. I have this image in my head. It's the it's the big, lovable, round Tim Sabian. Delicious. He's very huggable. He yeah, is that guy. Exactly. He's totally that guy. Absolutely. I love him. Um, I know I'm gonna get a text from him like tomorrow or the next day saying, "Oh, you said you love me. That's so nice. Thank you." Stuttering John should be on the show. You have to get him on the show for me. Um, okay. Listen. I know what people no. are saying right now. People what? are saying you two should do a show together. But you know why Ooh. that wouldn't work? Oh, you and me. Oh, why? You think you think we have some sort of chemistry? We have incredible chemistry. But you know what the problem is? No, what? Two hosts. Can't have that. No, you need a host and a co-host. And we got two hosts here. And it would never work. Okay, so A... I will tell you that I am very used to being in charge, but I have become so much. What better. are you strapping on right now, young lady? <laughs> I I am queen of the DP. That's right. I am always the one who needs to be in charge, but not all the time. I I really appreciated you basically telling me to shut the fuck up today because nobody ever does that to me. Right. So I right. appreciate that in a human being. I really do. I just because nobody ever fucks with me and i hate that i mean yes the trolls do all the time and i'm not talking about that i'm talking about people in real life like nobody fucks with me you know even on my website as much as i try to be a little bit of a dick with politics and stuff like that i throw my shitty two cents in you know nobody will ever come back and fight me because they don't want to be either deleted from the site or whatever but some people, some people who will, and they say, you know, go fuck yourself, Monique. You're wrong on this. I'm like, yes, good for you. Good for you to tell me go fuck myself. How do you keep it fresh? When's it going to run its course? You guys are on for like two hours and 45 minutes, which I think is a mistake, if I just may say. I think that's too, you're giving away too much of yourself. No. Agree. And if I was monetizing and if I was a show that was a little bit more um, straight and narrow, I would 100% do my four-hour fucking show and break it up into four pieces. I agree with you there. And I think, you know, if... If if it had some sort of longevity that would be the trajectory for the show, I just feel like there's going to come a time where, you know, we always say if it's not fun, don't do it anymore, right? I, who wants to do this as a rote, boring, bullshit kind of thing? I mean, I could talk about pretty much fucking anything that you want to throw in my face, but since we do it on Howard, yeah, let's do it. You know, do I, I do I love to talk about fashion? Absolutely. Do I like to talk about what dicks people are on Instagram? 100%. You know, I love I love pop culture, but I think this will run its course. And people always come up with different shows that they want to do about, like, you know, the psychology of Howard, the gayness of Howard, all this other shit. And it's really not, you know, those are things you can just, like, throw in any, any time. And my guys can talk. I could do that show for six, seven hours if they wanted to. Nobody would ever tell, and believe me, I'm not comparing myself. But, you know, every time I try to listen to a Joe Rogan show, it's like two hours, two and a half hours, three hours, four hours. It's like, who the fuck wants to listen to this for four fucking hours? Mm -hmm. I don't. I never listen to myself after I do a show. I was going to say, did you ever listen to yourself for two hours and 45 minutes? I can't. No. You know, some, I'm listening to another podcast and I'm trying to fall asleep. And then all of a sudden my podcast will come on and I hear my horrendous fucking witch-like cackle. And I'm like, Jesus, fuck. What, what, how can I even wake myself up with me? I've, I've done several segments on my shows here about how I have to listen to something to fall asleep. I can't sleep in silence. 
You Me too. Neither. Okay, so it's been a struggle in the last year because there's been so much available because of YouTube. And I As fall in the fucking cycle and four hours I'm watching reaction videos, black guys listening to Led Zeppelin and reacting to it. There's all this weird shit that you find out there. It used to be talk radio. I used to be able to put on like WFAN in New York and go right out. Then I started no, calling can't. at night and that was a problem. I used to listen to old Stern bits. So that was that was great. They would put me right out. Listen to Jackie and the Jetty and the and the and the clams and and I'd go right out. But then lately I've been fucked because I there's all this new shit that's popping up on my YouTube. So I've put out to listeners like give me stuff to fall asleep to. It can't oh, be too interesting. What are you falling asleep to? That's exactly fucking right. It cannot be too interesting. Right. Number one, it shouldn't be on YouTube because then it's a visual and you need to. And if you're listening to something, you're like, fuck, I got to see this. I have to see what this looks like. And that's yeah. what keeps up. Okay. The thing I find is that the, the voice has to be monotone, slightly boring and slumber me right the fuck out. And I set the timer on my podcast. So even if it's a podcast that's over like two hours long, I set myself for like 40 minutes. And, and it's over by that point. Now, if I can't really fucking sleep, I'm going to be up when it's over and say what the fuck happened. But it can't be too interesting. So um, my one go-to for going to sleep is called Crime Files. And it's this guy from Australia. And he has this voice that is just really, you want to fucking kill yourself. It's so monotone. Um, but it's delicious in its it's simplicity. It's a murder case. That oh, you but that I'm going to be up. I'm going to be listening oh, to. No, no, you're not. no, you're not. No, you're not. Because the murders usually are like, uh, okay, it's a fucking murder. Big deal. So some kid, you know, went missing in the fucking Aussie outback. I don't give a fuck about them. And his voice is mm. slow and Australian and just, just no inflection whatsoever. There's no highs. There's no lows. Nothing. Dead. Okay, the other thing I love that always puts me to sleep is BBC News. Just the worst. Nothing you ever want to fucking hear. The news is as boring as can possibly be, so it's nothing my mind wants to talk about. Yeah. And 90% of the time they have something about some fucking starving kids in Africa that I really don't fucking care about. So I will immediately go to sleep. BBC is the best and the worst. The worst part about BBC being the best is anytime I go to London, and I throw the fucking TV on and it's BBC. You go to sleep. <laughs> exactly. I can hear people turning this off right now, by the way, all over the world. But um, so here's somebody had suggested to me and I actually did this. Um, Art, Remember Art Bell's um, Coast to Coast Radio? Art Bell had this. Every fucking kook who saw something that wasn't. <laughs> go ahead. Off because both of us with our fucking pens, both of us are just uh, like we're waving our. <laughs> Yours is bigger than mine and blacker. Um, Art Bell would have like people that saw aliens and UFOs and all that shit on, but and and it was a good suggestion by somebody, but I'd already tried it years ago. Their bumper to commercial has this cacophonous explosion, and it, it wakes you up. The level is too high. Yeah, you can't have that. Can't have that. That's exactly why Crime Files is amazing because he also does the commercials. You don't even pay attention to him because they're just as boring as the fucking show he's doing. All right, here's it's what I found. I'm going to give you a couple of things. I want you to try these. You got to promise tonight you will think of me in bed okay. and put these on. Okay. Number one. I'm going to take my wiggle pen and write it down right now. Go ahead. Yeah, feel free, feel free to destroy the mic as you do it. Um, <laughs> housekeeping training videos from hotel chains okay stop right now 
because what? I'm not watching videos. I just told you the thing no, you no, do No, no, it'll put, it put you right out. The sound oh, no, wait, of the dusting. Oh. The dusting. Oh, it's like white sound. noise. Like the sound of wiping the doors. It's just and you and you're watching and it's just I, I it's it's magical that and I found something you got to try this once you start to search for like relaxing things YouTube starts making suggestions there's this thing called kung fu massage speak to me you got to just search for it tonight everybody out there look for kung fu massage and mystical Indian head massage I have to get both of these after I watch this I have to find where I can get it. Look Mystic up those mystical Indian head massage, and that's something. You, yeah. Do you think that people actually like listening to us talk about useless information, or do you have dicks like I do that are like "fuck you"? Talk about Howard. That's all we want to hear. You know, you. listen. The world. I. I. I've written six books. I was the number one bestseller in the wrestling category. That's like being the smartest guy in jail for nineteen months. And the second you do anything the public doesn't like, they turn on you in a fucking heartbeat, like like you're like you're somebody who wedged them in eighth grade. So they're fickle, and it doesn't matter because you know what? There's a small segment of the population that are just as mentally ill as you and me, and they're yeah. gonna appreciate the mystical Indian head massage that you watch tonight. So that's my answer. Well, I don't to that. even know what podcast you do. You know, I was trying to throw it out to my listeners. Tonight I just started this. I just started this podcast. It was it was all on video. It, it was uh, actually video on demand program. Like, I love that I'm like an angel investor in your fucking psychotic meanderings. Yeah, this is thing to me. I appreciate that completely. Yeah, well, angel investor. Well, listen, I'm the one taking a chance here, so you know. Oh, you are not Relax. taking a fucking chance. Believe me, if I had you on my show, I wouldn't even know what the fuck to talk about because I don't know the wrestling world at all. But that's the I, thing. I've I've done it all. I've been in movies, TV shows, wrestling. I've written books. We we'll talk about anything. Can I just tell you one thing? I love no. I love you. I I think <laughs> I think we are so we are so similarly minded that something's <laughs> been forged here. I don't know what. Probably just poor entertainment, which, which is what it's been. But, um, but I thank you. I thank you for your candor, and I thank you for coming out of your shell. You're very reclusive. You're a very reclusive individual, and uh, and for you to come out and take a chance, I appreciate. Well, thank you, sir, and I appreciate you. I had questions for you, and I was just curious about some of the things. Go ahead. Uh, Anything you want. I I just need to know, and I because I just kind of never understood in. How does somebody who works for something like fucking Deutsche Bank wind up being this guy? <laughs> I have to know. You know, um, I, I, I hate anybody who's one thing. And I hate meeting new people because invariably they go, oh, what do you do? And you don't have the time for that answer. So I, yeah, I mean that ten years of my life, I was on the on the cusp of finance on Wall Street. It was in in uh, it was in more of an artistic uh, side of it. We showed the blockhead bankers how to you know do presentations and and stuff like that. So we were preparing yeah. stuff. Design director. So I, you know, I work with I, you know, I shop the stores. I look for like what the trends are, and I put together board presentations and slideshows based on what my designers put together. And I'm the talking i'm the head for you know these guys that come in and say well what the fuck are you doing right so you get it i did it so I would, 
solely for that. the money and and the uh, and the expense account to the black cars. Uh, that was it. And uh, but I was acting at the same time too, you know. So and uh, you know that was rewarding for you. What's that? What's been the most rewarding for you? No, it it, it hasn't happened. Uh, nothing. <laughs> But you have a, a family to support, so obviously you have to have some sort of stress. I satiate. It's it's insatiable. It's 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 just a desire to always create. I have to be creating or I die. I you know the company we stopped doing new productions, so I said I well I obviously I have to write books, so I just I started writing. I wrote some nonfiction books about the the wrestling business, but then I I'd written screenplays and stuff before, so I always wanted to write a novel. So I I wrote three thrillers, and. Um, it's just it's a constant need to be creating and you like thus this do? you want you know what i want to do you want to do it with me i want to i want to produce a couple of um short story films like scary ones like i love those we have a whole site on our forum dedicated to fucking scary shorts they're amazing some of them are like ridiculous like we always have great ideas about these short story like little you know there's a show on tv now called um two sentence horror stories which is amazing except they don't really they don't really do it that well and i i really want to get into um filming things like i'm like you i i i take photography classes all mm. the time the fucking canon 5d mark ii that i love it's a curse I, it's a curse it's a horrible curse because I actually think with both my artistic side of my head and my brain side of my head. Like, you know, Tim tells me about something that he's doing and I'm like, well, what round of investing are we talking about? Do you have a deck prepared? Are you ready to like take it out there to market? And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? But Monique, that's why that's what separates us, because when we go into the endeavor we are business minded also so it's that it's that delicate balance of right brain left brain um you know managing art and commerce which are really diametrically opposed when you think about it 100% so it either makes you brilliant like a, a michael eisner or a steve jobs or a total fuck up who who begins to to finance you know passion plays and it doesn't work out well <laughs> like vinnie favali <laughs> like oh poor vinnie Debbie, I, do, could you do a little? Do you, do you do a little of the Debbie video for me, please? What's your favorite part? Oh, oh, Debbie! The kisses. Oh, the kisses are terrifying. Restless, restless is the best song I've ever heard in my entire fucking life. I'm actually waiting for Vinny to come on. You know, he got fired because of a sexual harassment suit. But yeah. meanwhile, he he was really just a suit that was there to report back to CBS corporate. And the story I told actually just to John yesterday, which I'll tell you here because nobody really listens to John that much is I, sorry, John, I love you. I don't mean that. Um, is that Vinny was actually the impetus for Howard's new book, Howard Stern comes again, which actually is a stupid fucking title for a book that has absolutely no sexual connotation to it whatsoever. It's a transcript and, is what it is. Right. So Vinny's like, how amazing would it be if we took like Howard's best, interviews you know did like some transcript transcriptions of them and then howard can say a little something opening to all of them and that was his role in it and he never got he never got the uh kudos that he deserved for actually coming up with the 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 book because i think that's what he did and so there's poor Vinny out of work you know basically for telling some interns to you know look how big that guy's dick is and uh and and getting no kudos from howard we could go on all night you know I know because that's what I do. That's why my shows are four fucking hours long. Don't you get it? 
Do you, do you now when you get off the air after you do three hours with them? Do you are you so jacked that you're still walking around the house and like talking to the cats or or if you live with somebody, if anyone could put up with you to live with you, um, talking to them incessantly? I see you incessantly talking now for the next three hours to something or somebody in that room I'm looking at. No, because what I do is as soon as the show is over, I then take the wave file, I convert it to an MP3, then I throw it through Audacity, and I throw it through com compression and equalization. Then I delete parts that people really didn't want to have on there to begin with. Then I put an opening and I put a closing. Then I reconvert it to MP3 at a lower resolution, a lower rate. Then I go on to Illustrator or Photoshop and design a fucking Photoshop for my cover for the YouTube. And then in my brain... Because I'm, I'm slightly ADD and OCD, I have to finish this before I go to bed. Monique, where can they find you? Where can they listen to you? Are you on Are you on Twitter as a person or as a as your company? Yeah, I'm on Twitter as Radio Gunk, so it's at Radio Gunk, and my site is the same name. Uh, but most people come to the forum, but all the podcasts are there as well. On YouTube, I'm the exact same name, and you can find me on absolutely every single podcast thing that there is. Um, we just recently got on to. Uh, uh, Google Home, whatever those things are called. What the fuck are they called? Google Minis. Google, Google... Play. Google Play. Oh, there you go. There, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that that uh, that iPhone device. <laughs> I literally am staring at one right now, looking for a name on it. I couldn't figure it out. Um, we'll be on Alexa soon as well. Um, but yeah, we're pretty much everywhere. So whatever. Listen, listen don't listen. My my listeners, my fans, please give them a shot. It's a it's a it's a, so entertaining. You will get used to the voice. I promise. <laughs> give her a chance. It grows on you. Meanest man in the whole wide world, sir. Monique, that was Monique. She's something. That was this, but this is one of those episodes that if if you if you're just clinging to the narrow world of wrestling centric material it's like I said in the open you're gonna, you know you're not gonna listen you're not gonna give it a shot I think there's a big crossover though I think this is the stern fans and wrestling I think this is one of those things not as much as like kiss and horror movies they share almost every wrestling fan but I think there's a pretty big Stern population also interested in wrestling. Somewhat, anyway. All right, this is where I get to your tweets. This is where I get to your tweets. Answer the pressing questions. Paulie Craig asks me, what are your feelings towards Jim Cornette? He's been on the warpath lately and AEW with AEW and said some things that have annoyed me, and I'm a fan of his. What's it like to work with him, and have you got any more things lined up with Jim? Cheers, sir. Keep up the good work. Well, I hadn't talked to Jim in a while. Uh, we produced, we did a lot of content with him with Kayfabe Commentary. So I enjoyed collaborating with Jim. Um, I enjoyed playing the straight man to Jim, and I enjoy having him on because he's entertaining. I don't agree with everything he says. But why would you, why would you want people on? A any form of media who agree with everything you say. You see, Jim's got the thing is that he's entertaining. He's entertaining regardless regardless of his opinion, regardless of what he's saying. So now, all right, so now he's talking about AEW. It should come as no surprise to anybody that's listened to Jim or followed Jim over the last 
five years, ten years since we re- repopularized him, that um, his he's kind of made a living now, and his gimmick is being this uh, this cantankerous. figure that clings to the tenets of old school wrestling if, if there's anything that deviates from it he it is met with vitriol i mean he is not a live and let live kind of guy if you're not on his side then you are the enemy but i've said this before when people ask me about difficult guests and i don't give a fat rat's ass my job is to entertain so if I could put that person on, like Jim, and he's entertaining, done. And I don't know why you would care. Don't listen to what he's saying about AEW. Listen to how he says it. That's the secret with enjoying Jim Cornette. He's got to stay relevant. He's got to stay. Uh, he's got to have people continue to talk about him. Thomas Pine, was there an alternate name for kayfabe commentaries? If so, what would it have been? Oh, God, one of the things I regret most, when I have to give a layperson that company name or I have to give my email address and I have to spell out kayfabe commentaries to somebody who doesn't know what kayfabe is and probably doesn't know what a commentary is and certainly doesn't know they have any relationship. Yeah, I should have called it. I mean, we also own the domain shootinterviews.com. I should have just called the company Shoot Interviews. A um, couple of questions about Buff Bagwell, actually. Uh, Ralph Ramirez said, did you run into Buff Bagwell after the incident with this timeline? No, never saw him. Um, someone, oh, uh, Samo asked, did Bagwell punch you after his threat in your book? No. You know, hopefully he's read it and realized what a dickwad he was. Listen, this... Anyone, anyone can enter the arms of salvation. There is rebirth available for all. Hopefully he uh, he finds it. Um, Stephen Pritchard, still open to doing the shoots that didn't work out? Cabana, Bagwell, Conan, of course, all of them. I've, my job is to entertain. I'm a content producer. Just because Conan robbed me doesn't mean I wouldn't put him on a show if he, if he if he first paid me back and then came on and was going to be entertaining. It's about entertaining you guys. That's that's my job. Um, who else? Did, oh, Cabana. Cabana and I made friends. He came up to me and put out his hand and apologized. He said, "Life's too short to have heat." He's a man. And then, um, and then Buff, hey, listen, if you've read that chapter of my book, when we parted, Buff owed me a show, and I owed him the booking. We made nicey-nicey. I left him with a smile. I didn't sit pissed off that he fucked up my entire shoot, cost me money. I put $100 in his hand. And said, eh, don't worry about it, buddy. Take this for showing up. We'll try next time when you're not drooling on yourself. Listen, what are you going to do? Well, how, how, I, I, I try to be Christ-like. I'm a Christ figure. For, for fuck's sake. All right, listen. 
that that's enough. That's all the truth you can handle this week. This has been a production of Sean Oliver Media, copyright 2019 music by the great Kevin McLeod, licensed by Creative Commons License. And I will catch you next time.